right? So we are um, in week six of the study of the Old Testament survey. We are still looking at the foundational books. We're looking at First Kings, sec, uh, first, and first and Second Chronicles um, this week, and then next week we'll end with Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, ending our um, look at foundational books. Then we'll hop into the poetry books and then the uh, prophetic books. So uh, we're moving right along here. So we're just about a, a third um, done um, with looking at the um, at the Old Testament books. So I pray it's been a blessing thus far. I pray that um, things are connecting um, for you. And um, definitely if you have questions of, uh, or uh, comments or uh, reflections, um, anytime you could definitely do that. But I want definitely want to open the floor right now. If you had any reflections or questions or comments concerning last week's class or even concerning the reading for today, I want to afford you all that opportunity. Okay, all right, just wanna make sure that I give you all um, some, some space to go ahead and comment and things of that sort. So I'm gonna go ahead and hop right into the there lesson. Are some, there are some things I have, but I know you're probably gonna cover them. So I'll just ask as we go, or not even ask, but comment. There were some things that I really enjoyed about the over or reading into some things. So yeah, I know you'll cover it and then I'll make my comments. No, go ahead. Go, go, go ahead. Make your, make your comments and stuff. No, I don't think I went. No. <laughs> no, it was, you remember just one thing that really stuck out to me. You remember the, cause we've talked about it before in those 70, uh, remember when, uh, Jeremiah came and I believe prophesied and they were going to be in there 70 years. And, you know, we realized why it was an exact 70 and all of that. Mm -hmm. But it was what I liked was the fact that it was like, even though they were there, the ones that kind of were sticking this thing out with God still managed to grow and find God there. So that by the time they did come out, a lot of them had walked away from their idolatrous ways and uh, he made a note that this is potentially where that start of uh, the meeting places came out of, of let's come together in this place and study and do all this kind of stuff. Like this was potentially the start of that thought or idea that they would uh, uh, come together in this place and read and study the word. So I thought that was pretty interesting and unique in the reading. Yeah. Um... I was um, looking looking at that ye uh, yesterday, and um, that point that he brought out, uh, you <laughs> you definitely have to read scripture because I think he kind of muddled um, that point right there. Um, as far as um, there were many that still stay connected with God, and when you begin to read scripture. Um, uh, that's not really true. There were a lot that stayed behind um, when uh, when um, Cyrus released them from Babylon. Um, a lot of them stayed behind and only a small number came back to Jerusalem. So I was trying to figure out where he got that from. Maybe I have to keep reading, but 
I was trying to figure out where he got that from. And the fact that he said, um, getting together, uh, uh, coming up with places and, and reading and gathering things of that sort, that that happened, uh, if I'm not mistaken, under, under Ezra, um, but it was a very small number. So I don't know. So I'm still trying to figure, I'm trying to uh, reconcile what he's saying. And so this is um, also a lesson for, for me and maybe for others that um, anytime we read secondary sources um, like this, if it's not agreeing with your belief system or something that you've read, I definitely encourage you all to go to the scriptures and to read it for yourselves, because all we're doing is getting a one man um, of the scriptures, whereas we have the scriptures and the best thing of all, we have the Holy Spirit um, to help us kind of get through those areas that um, we troubled in. So that's, that's kind of, that's the part I was kind of hung up on um, the fact that the author said, oh, it was many that stayed connected to God and they acknowledged their foolishness and paganism. And I was just like, no, when you read the scripture, a lot of uh, Jeremiah told them, like, when you get into um, Babylon, when you get captivity, that you might as well make a life for yourself. You might as well just uh, go ahead and, and do whatever. But the goal was not to continue in, in idolatry and paganism, but many of them stayed. Many of them went into paganism and idolatry and things of that sort. So, Yeah, and that's why I thought that was very interesting because that was the first time I had, and I was thinking about when we were studying this before, I'm like, clearly I didn't have this book then. When yeah. we, we went through, I didn't have that because I'm sure that point would have came out like, now a minute, you know. So I, I really thought because this was the first time I ever had even read that or heard that. So I was like sitting there, like, wow, like that's an interesting point to bring out. So it was kind of like, okay, all right, yeah, so, good point yeah, that you made behind it. Yeah, I thought the same things. So I'm like, I'm, yeah, when we went because we were doing the intertestamental, I think, and we were kind of leading up to the intertestamental talking about the restoration period. And yeah, I don't think we had this book um, as one of our references. I think we were using the survey of the gospels or something like that, um, which I think gave a totally different perspective, if I'm not mistaken, of that. Yeah. That period. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then even when I did, when I did the Bible study teaching on it, you was still yeah. like, I didn't come across that. So it was, it was very interesting. Yeah. 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 So um, if you guys listen, um, are listening to us, um, commentaries, secondary sources, scholars will have different perspectives uh, of scripture. And so it's important not to just hang up on what a commentary or what an author is saying, that you need to do the research for yourself and to, to solidify some things. So if you're reading something and it's not agreeing with the commentary, that's like I always tell people, just put it on the shelf. Maybe one day it will click. Maybe you'll see something later on. But if you don't see that right now, just continue to where the spirit of the Lord is leading you. Maybe you're not at that level to see it yet. Maybe um, your capacity has not expanded enough to see that or whatever. Or they could be just completely wrong. 
<laughs> so, so definitely um, do the due diligence of study or reading the scripture while looking at these um, survey books. So we're just using these survey books to kind of guide us along um, to help us kind of shrink the Bible and understand uh, what's going on. But like I always say, these commentaries are not gold. They are not, they're not, they should not be our primary, but the scriptures, the word of the Lord should be our scriptures, uh, should be um, our primary. So any other comments or questions? Thank you for that point there. All right. Okay. So, yep, we're definitely um, hopping into um, looking, finishing up our foundational books, and we'll finish uh, foundational books next week. But, of course, I have some questions to see if we're all on the same page and we're following the timeline. So, um, in the Old Testament, there are four errors of uh, ERA, four errors of um of, of the Old Testament, what are the four eras? <laughs> or if you don't know, if you can name them, at least tell us what era we're looking at today. Wait, is this the one we're talking about? I think my mind about to mess them up. Is this the ones we mess up every week? And no. I mess them up? That ain't. No, no, uh, no. <laughs> um, the United Kingdom. Okay, I can start right there with the United Kingdom. Yes, we are looking at the United Kingdom. Um, but that is a, um, a, a I guess a, a level or subdivision of the, the umbrella. So I'll, I'll take that. So we're looking at the United Kingdom and above the United Kingdom is the monarchy era. And so um, the first division of the monarchy is united and then divided and single. So monarchy is the error. So we need three more of the Old Testament. Theocracy? Theocracy, yes. And um, do we remember what? No, I won't ask you guys that. Or maybe I'll just feel froggy and ask you guys this question. What books covered theocracy? Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Yeah, good. Yep. Okay. I'm glad I asked the question. Yep. Theocracy. Come on, Rick. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yep, Joshua Judges and Ruth. Yes, um, that covers the era of the judges. So we got the conquest, settlement, and judges. So what are uh, the other two? We got two more errors. It is definitely... Is it called the, uh, is it prophetic or prof the errors of the prophet? Nope, that's under, that would be under, um, that's under actually, I can't say the fourth one, but the fourth one, because I want y'all to name me the fourth one. But yeah, that's under the fourth one. One of them kingdom. <laughs> huh? Is one of them kingdom? 
a kingdom era? That's under monarchy. Oh, Deuteronomistic. Nope, nope. That's no, no, um, just a. Yeah, that's the name of the the twelve um, books after the. I mean the uh, the uh, shoot. This I always get my math wrong. Name of the seven seven books after after uh, the Pentateuch. Um, the era where they were in captivity is that an era? Uh, that we need some help today, teacher. We need yeah, some help. We need some help. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and uh, help you all out. Um, the first era is formation. I wonder if that uh, rings some bells. So Israel is formed as a nation. So that happens uh, starting in Exodus 12 when God brought them out of Egypt. So 12 through 19 or 12 through 20, God is forming them as a nation. So that's one error. And then theocracy, Ricky gave us um, Joshua's Judges and Ruth, but it even goes further back than that. Um, it goes back to Exodus because God is in control. God is, um, is ruling at that time. So he's ruling through, through Moses, but that's still theocracy um, period right there. And so, and then the third one we said is monarchy. Um, we got the united and divided and single kingdom. And then there's one more that we're going to be looking at next week. And that's called restoration, the era of restoration. And that's when we're looking at um, them coming out of Babylon. We're going to be looking at Ezra and how they uh, reestablished the second temple and things of that sort. And um, look at Nehemiah and, and all that. So those are the four errors it's, that's in your book. I think it's on page 43. Okay, so I'm like, I'm looking for my book. It's probably on my, on my dresser. Um, but Bridget gave us a page number of 43. So hold on, let me grab my book. Hold on. Let's see here. Okay, the 43, yes, it's on there. Yep, it's on there. It's on the covenant chart. So yep. It's right in there. Thank you, Bridget, for that. So that is the four errors of um, of the old of the Old Testament, and it's on page twenty three as well. It's on page twenty three, and it gives you kind of the breakdown of, of what I said under you know formation. In order for them to be to be a nation, they have to have people, law, and land. Um, Error, I'm sorry, the error of theocracy is the priests and the judges, or you can say um, conquest, settlement, and judges. Um, the error of monarchy, you got the united, divided, and single. And then the error of restoration is um, when they're under captivity and their return to Jerusalem. Okay. So um, understanding the, um, the errors and breaking it down like that helps us to handle the Old Testament a little bit better. We're able to put it in chunks, um, able to kind of break it down and things, things of that sort, okay? So definitely uh, keep rehearsing that and uh, keep that in mind there. 
so we'll we'll keep going there. Um, any other comments or questions? Okay. All right. Let's um, let's keep it going here. So let me share share my screen here. All right. So. Um, let me go here. It says during the next section of our study, we'll finally conclude with the framework. Actually, we got one more um, session, but uh, the framework of the Old Testament Jewish history. We will pick up our study with Second Kings, where the history of the transition from the united to a divided kingdom is recorded. Okay. Um, let's go here. So the author of, of, uh, second Kings, we talked about the two books of first and second Kings were originally one book and the author is unknown. The date of writing would be about 600 to 575 BC. Um, if you look in your, in your book, we are on, on page, uh, 125, uh, with second Kings. And I wanted to read something from that author. Let me see here. Okay, yes, under the purpose. So when we look at the purpose on, on 125, yeah, 125, it says, Second Kings was written to continue the story of the divided kingdom period and to record the taking captive um, of both the Northern and Southern kingdoms. The, books was the book was written to show that God is faithful to his word and judging his people for their disobedience and idolatry. So does anyone remember how we got to the divided? How did the kingdom divide? We a little rusty this morning, huh? Um, well, because when we started getting kings, um, some people liked the idea of getting a king and some didn't at the very beginning. But then everybody wanted to have a king. So then they decided to get a king. So it just started with the, I would I say, with the birth of the kings, of Israel getting kings. So can I add to that, what he's saying? Sure. So if I'm not mistaken, it was after Saul to where uh, one group accepted David and then another group went with one of Saul's sons. Because remember, we had a big conversation about we thought yeah. all sons, all Saul's sons were dead. And that's how we got into this whole divided thing. Right. OK. Anybody else want to uh, take a stab at this? Um when uh solomon was getting ready to die he um chose his son and people didn't like his son and um some of the people because he had favoritism towards judah and uh in terms of not taxing them and uh he chose his son and everybody did and his son wanted to continue the uh taxation practice and so all the other uh, 10 nations uh, in the north didn't like that and decided to go with somebody else and send, his, and send his son to the south. Yep, I think Ricky got us, got us where we need to be. That's Can where- Add a little bit to it? Yep, go ahead, add on, add. 
also, but was it also because he didn't make it known at first who was going to be the king? He didn't say who was going to be. Right. Uh, yeah, David make it publicly known. I think we're putting we're we're putting the storyline together. Um, uh, yeah, with uh, with Solomon, it was under Solomon. Remember. And um, let me make sure I got the right um, chapter. I think it's Second Kings chapter eleven, where um, we were dealing. We're dealing with Solomon. So Solomon wasn't as uh, wasn't as righteous as as David, um, even though he prayed for wisdom. Ah, he was still a little shysty. So. Um, <laughs> And so with Solomon, we know that, uh, of course, the issues with, with the taxes and, and things of that sort. And also um, when Solomon, he married, he had over 700 wives. He started dealing with paganism and um, he basically desecrated the temple and he did all types of stuff. He brought in, he allowed um the the his wives to influence him and to um delve into paganism and so god told um solomon that i'm going to rip the kingdom from you but i'm not going to rip it from you in your days but in the next days so the next ruler i'm going to rip the kingdom from and so ricky gave us the storyline of kind of how that happened um with with the with the taxation that was the first kind of the first um first division of of the kingdoms but when they realized when they when the king that they chose in the northern when they died then then that's when they joined david back but when you keep going under uh after solomon with with um his son i think it's rehoboam um you'll see you'll see that um the kingdom was divided because of Solomon's disobedience. So there were 10 kingdoms in the North. I mean, yeah, 10 kingdoms in the North and two in the South. He only left them uh, Judah. Um, even though the scripture says one kingdom, but when you when you do, do the research, it, it is one, but Simeon and Judah became one, one tribe um, eventually. Um, so, um, and so there's one kingdom or two kingdom, I mean, two tribes in the in the south and then 10 um, in the north. OK, so that's how they kind of became divided. So theologically, um, it was God that ripped the kingdoms away from from Solomon because of his disobedience. And then we see the issues that cause um, the, the divisions to happen. OK, so definitely keep that in mind. So that started the divided kingdom. Okay, so when they were under David, they were united. This was their prosperous time. This was a high for um, for Israel. They they were doing very well. They were winning wars. They were living the good life. David was a, a, a overall a good king and things of that sort. But when Solomon came on the scene, he it kind of that's when it kind of just spiraled down. And then from from Solomon. To Rehoboam and Jeroboam and all this stuff, it just it just continues to 
continues to go down. Okay. So that's how we got the, the uh, division. Okay. Um, and- I would, I would say that it's fair to say that the seeds of division were sown after Saul's death with that brief period where the 10 kingdoms in the North, um, similar to well, what pastor was saying that the 10 kingdoms in the North did not initially accept David. So there were some seeds of division sown then. They eventually got in line and it was a United Kingdom. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, you the could, seeds were sown. Could, oh, if you want to be seeds of division, but yeah, <laughs> if you want to say seeds of division, yeah. But the actual, how they actually divided, divided and stayed divided for, for mm-hmm. years was- oh, absolutely. When- yeah, when when God mm-hmm. decreed it, I mm-hmm. think that's probably that's probably what, what carried the most weight. The fact that God decreed that I'm going mm-hmm. to not, whereas man decide like, well, we're just going we're not uh, agreement with David and all that stuff. But when God mm-hmm. decreed, that's when it became the divided kingdom. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, see, I think we read the purpose about the uh, their disobedience and idolatry. When you look at the outline of Second Kings, um, the history of Israel, um, you got you got them talking about the Northern Kingdom. That's chapters one through ten. Um, the oh wait, okay, yeah, let me go. I'm gonna go back on that one. Uh, the history of Israel and Judah. So uh, the second part from chapters eleven through seventeen, it talks about both both uh, kingdoms, the Northern and Southern. And then when you get to the third um, division of chapters 18 to 25, you get the history of Judah. Okay. So, um, so remember the North, anytime the scriptures during, during this time after the uh, divided kingdom, when they're talking about Israel, the King of Israel, that is the Northern kingdom. And so when they say the King of Judah, or the king in Jerusalem, that is the southern kingdom, okay? So definitely you want to keep that in mind, okay? Um, Let me see here. Make sure I got all my notes covered here. All right, cool. Um, When you look at the special considerations of the book of 2 Kings begins with the reign of King Ahaziah of Israel and concludes with Zedekiah, the last king of Judah. So Ahaziah of Israel, would be there one of a northern king, and then it ends with Zedekiah, the last king of Judah, the southern uh, kingdom. So the years covered by this book are approximately two hundred and fifty years. So, uh, so that's definitely um, important here. And so, of course, r- right now we are looking at what Dale was saying, the Deuteronomistic book. So we're looking at um, the stewardship of Israel during this time. So we're looking at um, their disobedience and and the little obedience that they had. And we see that anytime they fall into disobedience, that is when um, God allowed them to be under under captivity um, during that time, okay? So when you're looking at the summary of 2 Kings, now we see the prophets are really strong on the scene um, because they're not listening to God. So therefore, God had to raise up more prophets 
uh, to speak to the people. Not to say this is the beginning of prophets. Prophets were established way before this point, but since the the nation of Israel are so disappointed, so uh, disobedient, he had to raise up some some prophets, and so uh, we see kind of kind of the. Um, the ramming up of prophets, starting with Elijah and then with Elisha. And then you'll read about there was a, a, a party of prophets or a school of prophets that existed during that time. And when you begin to read about the Northern Kingdom in chapters one through 10, we, we run into Ahab and Jezebel and Jezebel had a really, really good uh, school of prophets, school of false prophets. And so in response to um, paganism, in response to their system of prophets, God had to, God created an even stronger system of prophets to uh, fight against that. So when you're reading about the Northern Kingdom, they had a lot of paganism up there. They had the golden calf. They built two, two more temples they had a, a temple in Dan and a temple in Bethel because they didn't want for the people up north to go down to the southern um, temple, which was the temple at Jerusalem. Um, but people, they, they loved the temple, Solomon's temple. And so they would still come down um, to, to the temple or whatnot. So that's why they try to build two at the top, two in the north, so that so they wouldn't have to. But people, they still went down there. And so the northern, when we look at the chart of kings um, in, in your book, the chart of kings in your book, you will see that um, the northern kingdoms did not have any good kings at all. The northern, they all have bad kings, but there were a few good kings in the southern kingdom, but they had um, a handful of bad ones as well. I think I saw Dale's hand go up. Go ahead, Dale. Yes, ma'am, just real quick. Oh, <clears throat> we had in the Bible, there's a lot of temples that were being built. And a lot of these accounts of these temples, they were very elaborate in the description of mm -hmm. these temples. Mm -hmm. um, when the lamb was then taken over, was the temple taken over and destroyed or what happened? It really don't say what happens to a lot of these temples? You said when the lamb? The land. When the land oh. is taken over. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Is the, the yeah. temple also taken over and destroyed? Or? Yeah. The, the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Um, we read that um, in, I think, the later latter part of Second Kings, kind of the last few chapters of Second Kings. We see that the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Um, it was already on its way to being destroyed anyways. Um, if you got a chance to read about Hezekiah, Hezekiah stripped the temple. He stripped the temple of all the gold. Um, it was trying to pay a bribe off to the king, um, was Sennacherib, I can never say his name right, um, Sennacherib, uh, he stripped the whole temple. He done stole from the church mm. and was trying to pay this king off. So they, they said what uh, Hezekiah stripped from the, the temple was the equa uh, equated to $3 million from our day. 
you know, if you think about it in our day and time, that's an equivalent to $3 million that um, Hezekiah um, took. And so it just began to go downhill from there. Josiah was trying to build it back up and try doing all that, all that. But then you had more bad kings and things of that sort. So it was already on its way downhill. But then Nebuchadnezzar got fed up with Israel and destroyed, I mean, Judah and destroyed, destroyed the temple. And um, of the, the temples of north, um, they were taken over by Babylon as well. Actually, they were taken over first by Assyria, um, as we read in, in, in the book. Um, they were taken over by Assyria, but then Assyria was beaten by Babylon. So Babylon officially owned all that stuff. So, yeah, everything was just kind of tore down, ripped up. Yeah. Yep. Good question. Good question. So yeah, they had all these, all these temples. I don't think we were, are, I don't think we are familiar with the fact that they had all these temples. I wasn't um, familiar with the fact before, you know, doing this deep dive study, I thought, you know, it was just one temple and then, you know, you got Herod's temple and that, that was pretty much it, but no, it was, it was many temples um, that Israel had. Um, and, uh, as we see with the temples in Dan and Bethel, it was, um, uh, dedicated to paganism and all types of stuff. You, you see, um, the, the God of Baal, Asherah, and which actually today, well, I won't say, <laughs> I won't say that, but people still worship Asherah today, but I won't say what I'm about to say, but, um, but yeah, uh, so that's still in place today, but yeah, it's when you, when you read those first 10 chapters about the Northern kingdom, you see all the, the pagan gods and things of that sort, um, that they were worshiping. Um, so going back to the summary, um, when you read about the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, um, you see that, um, uh, they were performing all types of miracles and things of that sort. Um, it says under Elijah, most of Elijah's colorful ministries recorded in first Kings in connection with the reign of King Ahab, evil King Ahab. The section of second Kings continues the story of his miraculous ministry recording the fire call down from heaven, crossing the Jordan on the dry grounds and his departure in heaven in a whirlwind. So that's, he really got a kind of gave a summary of Elijah, but, his, the story of Elijah is very, is very interesting, and I encourage you all to, to read it. And then, of course, we, we know that um, the mantle was passed down to Elisha. Elisha even did um, greater exploits, greater works. He, he, uh, he was passed on to Elisha, who had to face difficult times of spiritual and moral decay of Israel. Elisha's ministry, which lasts about a half a century, uh, greatly affected the people of his day. Um, his influence was significant among the sons of the prophets. So a group of young men trained at Bethel and Gilgal to serve the Lord in the Northern kingdom. He influenced the people through miracles. Um, he worked twice as many as Elijah performed. His influence extended beyond the borders of Israel and he was known and respected in Syria. He was a great prophet raised in difficult times, okay? So definitely read in the in the scriptures about Elisha. And then when we get to Jehu, um, Jehu, um, it said the last recorded act of Elijah was to send one of the sons of the prophets to anoint Jehu. He was a captain in the northern army to be the next king of Israel. Jehu was instructed to destroy all the family of Ahab and avenge and slain the prophets of the Lord. So this is um, when we got Jehu who, who killed uh, Queen Jezebel. 
he's known for that chopping chopping Jezebel up. So um, let's see here. Because of um, of his obedience, the Lord prospered the dynasty of Jehu, causing it to be the longest in the northern kingdom. But since Jehu did not also rid Israel of the golden calves, his blessing was limited. Okay, so even though the book says that that Jehu uh, is not really considered a, a, a good king. He did some good things, but as far as um, getting rid of all of the gods and the golden calves, he didn't do that. Okay, so he didn't qualify to be a good king. Um, and so then you're reading about the the northern and, and southern kingdom. We're reading about um, uh, how the northern kingdom. Um, fall into into captivity um that's when you're reading about um uh under let's see here under hoshea's rule so it says you see under you see i'm, I'm under the division let me see let me get the book because my i'm looking at electronic book and it don't have page numbers so let me make sure i'm leading to the right uh section here i'm um, on 127 127 um, it says Israel, the Northern kingdom. That's where I'm starting at there. And I'm going to start, um, I guess at the second paragraph here. Nope. Let's start the first. It says all of the nine, the last nine Kings who ruled in Israel before captivity of the North were worshipers, um, of the golden calf. All of them were evil. None of them pleased the Lord. So that's what I was talking about there. Um, of the last nine Kings, uh, one does stand out, Jeroboam the second, who was the fourth king of line of Jehu. He ruled about 41 years and brought a degree of prosperity and victory to Israel. He extended the borders, reclaimed much territory that's been lost for years. Israel also um, enjoyed material prosperity during the reign, but the man himself was wicked and worshiped golden calves. His reign was particularly important because the setting of three of the, of the God's prophets, Amos, Hosea, and Jonah. Okay, and so... Um, the next paragraph talks about in 721 BC, the reign of Hosea, the Lord brought the Assyrians down on Israel for two centuries. God had tolerated their wickedness, wicked and idolatrous living. When they did not respond to the prophets who were uh, sent to them, they were judged. The Northern kingdom destroyed with many being killed and many being taken captive to Assyria. Though the Lord was amazingly patient with Israel, judgment eventually had to come, okay? So in 721 or 722 BC, Assyria came, um, the Assyrians came and took over the Northern Kingdom. The Assyrians, they were on their way down to the Southern Kingdom, but God spared them. Um, it says, um, under the Southern, it says, during the last years of Northern, the Southern Kingdom experienced a, a wrath of a wicked ruler, Queen um, Athelia, the blessings of a righteous ruler, Jotham, in contrast to the north, which had no uh, righteous kings, the south did have some who sought and obeyed the Lord. Uh, this accounts for the longer duration of the southern kingdom. When Assyria swept down and crushed Israel, God preserved Judah. Okay, so that's when you begin to read about, um, about Hezekiah um, and um, they... Um, Judah was uh, preserved during during that time there, but then after um, let's see here. Okay, yeah, because it says when when you're reading about Hezekiah, it talks about uh, how God, I mean, how Hezekiah plead for deliverance and God spared spared them. 
and allow the, the Syrian army to be destroyed. But then after um, Hezekiah, who was considered a good king, um, his, his son, Manasseh, was a wicked king. And that's where it really caught it, started to, to, to spiral because he was a pagan worshiper. So he allowed a lot of um, things to happen um, in the in the Southern kingdom, okay? So um, it says under, let me see here, make sure I'm leading you all to the right place. Under Manasseh, yeah, under Manasseh, um, it says that, yep, yeah, but, but let's see, where I want to start. The nation was now doomed for captivity. The evil done by Manasseh became so deeply rooted in Judah that the harvest of wickedness was sure and the captivity was sure. So now, because of everything that Manasseh did, yeah, they're on their way to, to captivity. But um, so now Josiah comes on the scene uh, because his father passed away when he was young. So Josiah was on the throne at the age of eight. But when he became of age, yeah, he began to uh, rule, to uh, run Judah, okay? and. Um, uh, let me see here. That's when um, they found the scriptures or the scrolls down in the basement of, of the temple. So I encourage you to definitely read about Josiah in chapter 22, because it's a really, really good pivotal point for, for Israel. Um, at this time, they were into heavy paganism due to Manasseh and due to, it was one more, um, it was Manasseh and someone else, it must be in my notes, um, and uh, Josiah's father, he was um, into, into paganism as well. And so, um, and so the, of course, the word of the Lord was not really going forth and things of that sort. So they found the scrolls in the basement of the temple, two prophets found two, no, two soldiers found the, the scrolls in the basement of the temple, brought it to Josiah, Josiah didn't know what it was or what it meant. So he called in two prophets, it was Zephaniah and Jeremiah to tell them what it meant. And they were like, you know what? We, we don't know. And I, uh, you should go to a prophetess called Hulda. Hulda was the one that told um, Josiah what all this meant and what the Lord was saying uh, for Israel. So it took a woman prophet uh, a female prophet to tell what the word of the Lord was. So they gave her the scrolls. She was able to tell them what the scrolls were and to tell them uh, what the Lord was planning on doing uh, with Judah. Okay. So that is a very, it's a very good story. Um, definitely read that chapter 22, 23 of second uh, of Kings. Okay. Um, yeah, chapter 22. And yeah. And so after that, uh, when when Josiah was told what, what it was, that's when he began to re reform Israel. He he um, began to to repent. His heart was heavy. And because of his heaviness of heart, God said he was going to spare him. Um, but everybody else before him who took up paganism and all that stuff, they, you know, they were basically condemned, basically. And um, and so you'll see uh, that he tried to build the temple, the temple back up. But under the last um, king, because Josiah was killed in um, war, the last king kind of led them astray as well. Go ahead, Dale. 
Question, quick question. <clears throat> if God had a woman prophet way back in the Old Testament, where and why was it decided that women weren't allowed to have a position in the church? Oh, Christians. <laughs> That's easy right there, Christians. <laughs> Christians, Christians decided that. As we see in scripture, there were many prophets. Um, there, there were uh, female elders. There were uh, female deacons. There was females everywhere. Paul uh, talked to the Chloe and, and the Phoebe and all types of women and, and things of that sort. Uh, what's, the name? what's her name? Uh, there was uh, even a female judge, Deborah. Yeah, female judge, Deborah. And it so, was so, so you all are saying there's just some, some us humans decide. Yep. <laughs> no, Christians. <laughs> humans. I would say Christians. Christians decided. Because uh, it's even it's even known. I can't remember which one of the gospels. I might have to go back and find it. And I remember reading it. It was saying that there were women and their husbands who were financing the disciples. And it yeah. was real crazy for them to say the women first, which helped us to understand that the women were the ones like we need to support. We need to support. And then if you would see any um, even and I'm just using it as an example, any TV show that recreates, you know, the gospel, even according to the Bible, you will see that they will put most of the women out front and leading and all of this kind of stuff when it comes to Christ and the church. So. It's, it's insane that we would do this. And it's so discouraging to have even all these scholars who supposed to be so deep into everything and none of them challenge it because they would rather keep their quote unquote masculine, masculine position knowing you, you have to know better. You have to have come across this information if you got all this stuff. So it's, it's insane. It's quite scary, to be honest. Yeah, they use scripture. You know, they use the scriptures in Timothy you know, that uh, a deacon got to be um, husband to one wife. So he ain't talking about the wives and all that stuff and and how women should keep silent in church. You see, scripture says that, but they don't but they they don't tell the historical implications of why Paul even said that. And they don't look at the real terminology of, of words as well. So that's how they build their their um, argument on scriptures like that. So, of course, the average Christian is not going to do, they're not going to do their study or due diligence to, to make sure they're speaking right. They just hear it. They show you scripture and then you just, you just conform to it, you just decide just to go with it. And so that's why I always say, like I said in the beginning of this class, read the scriptures for yourself. We are teaching you how to study scripture, how to handle second resources, how to handle uh, scholars and critics like that. Um, one thing that I will say that we have a, um, we have um, a point above all these scholars and all these churches out here because we're taking the time to look at the historical implications, look at grammar and content and word, you know, and all that stuff. So uh, definitely do the due diligence of that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, with uh, the women thing, something that a lot of people who just kind of misinterpret, scholars misinterpret, 
um, that masculinity thing that that uh, Wayman was talking about. Uh, yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. So, but yep, scary. It is. It is. It is. So, um, yeah, let's continue on here because we're almost finished with uh, Chronicles here. So um, eventually um, the southern kingdom was taken over by Nebuchadnezzar. So when when um, when the Assyrians became weakened, Babylon took over Assyria. And so Nebuchadnezzar allowed the southern kingdom to keep operating the way they were. But they would choose the kings to put in, you know, put in charge or whatever. And they would still uh, be a Jew, but they would be um, Nebuchadnezzar's vassal or what they call the puppet. So he would choose a puppet. Uh, to sit on on the throne. So they would do whatever Nebuchadnezzar told them to do. But some of the kings began to rebuttal and began to buck up against Nebuchadnezzar. So he would just take them out, put another king there. <laughs> and so uh, he so he got tired of going down there and, and doing that. So he finally decided to wipe out Israel. I mean, Judah. So that's when you see the dates here, the 605, the first time that Nebuchadnezzar came down um, Jehoiakim was the king. Um, and so they uh, were talking about how they had to pay taxes to Nebuchadnezzar and they found it to be unfair um, of the amount they had to pay. And because of that, Nebuchadnezzar came down and um, took actually took some people, took some uh, 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 those who resided in Judah and Judah. They took more of the prominent people. So those with money, they took them and uh, held them in captivity into Babylon. So when you take the money away from the land, you know that the land is on its way downhill. So then 597, 10 years, kind of like almost 10 years later, um, Jehoiakim refused to pay the tax. Um, and then a new king, Jehoiakim, uh, submitted to him. And then the king, the rest of the temple and treasures and some 10,000 captives were taken back to Babylon. So more people, uh, they began to cap. Uh, help people in captivity and put them into up in Babylon. So the third way is with Zedekiah on the throne of Judah. Once Judah with um, hell paying taxes again, Nebuchadnezzar returned, destroying the city of Jerusalem and moving the last king to Judah. But this third coming Nebuchadnezzar, the southern kingdom went into captivity and the era of monarchy ended right there. Okay. And so you'll read also in later um, in the latter parts of second Kings, they, there were some, there was a remnant of people that stayed and there was a king that Nebuchadnezzar put in place called Gedalia or something like that. And um, they uh, stayed, but I think he, he was assassinated. And so the people were asking Jeremiah, what, we sh what should we do now? And so, um, and so Jeremiah was like, okay, let me give me a minute to pray about it. And so Jeremiah told them like, okay, we should not go to Egypt. <laughs> but the people were like, uh, forget Jeremiah, we're going to Egypt and forced Jeremiah to go uh, with them down south to Egypt. Hence, yep. hence, that's where we get, when we talked about a few weeks ago about the Hebrew Israelites being in Africa, this is the beginning of it right there. When they were, um, when they ran away from Judah and went down to Africa in Egypt and begin to build their own temples and, and to begin to practice Judaism down in Africa. Okay. Uh, and that was my, I'd say at one point at the opening, 
and I knew you would get to this point, and that was the <laughs> other one. You know, yeah. that that was so fascinating, like mind-blowing that he said, God said, don't go, and they mm -hmm. made him go, and he yep. still went. Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, would I have fought them? Like, I would have been, like, trying, like, I'm not going. Did y'all hear the man? God said not go. I would have been terrified if I was Jeremiah. Yeah, they I'd have like, I'm going. I'm going to die. Like this is it. <laughs> yeah, yep. And so, uh, yeah, that's what was going on. Uh, no, I didn't see a hand. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what was going on. But before they were even held captive, um, before Babylon came in and swooped in, Jeremiah already prophesied to them that this was going to happen to them. OK, so this kind of begins. Remember when when we were talking about the four um, we talked about months ago, the four nations that's going to take over um, Israel. This is the beginning of it. So the first nation was Babylon. And then we're going to read later on Babylon, Persia, Greeks and Rome. So this is the very beginning. So I hope I pray that things are, are connecting right now because we kind of talked about how they were taken into captivity in Babylon. But now we, we know that kind of the, the leading up to that point. Uh, Trish, you had your hand up, go ahead. Uh, Trish, are you unmuted? Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, um, taxes keep ringing in my head. Mm. Um, and so I guess I'm trying to figure out how the taxes originated. I mean, I remember the disciples, the tax collector and all of that stuff, but I, I kind of go back to thinking about how um, the uh, disciples, you know, had different people who would support them and pay and so forth. Mm -hmm. How did that all originate for taxes to be uh, placed upon the people? I'm glad you asked that question. And I want somebody to answer from last week. I talked about it last week. Does anybody remember? When they wanted a king, when Israel asked for kings, um, they didn't realize that with that, they had to pay taxes. So they were heavily taxed when they wanted to go under um, monarchies. Yes, that's that's the yes, that is the very beginning of it. But and then I'm gonna add on to what Tammy said that God told them in Deuteronomy 18, if you want a king, this is going to happen. So he warned them in Deuteronomy 18 that a king, they're gonna they're gonna make you buy all this stuff, make, basically fund all this stuff. They're gonna make you pay off pay for all this stuff that's if you want a king so he gave them warning back in deuteronomy and remember we talked about how they asked for a king prematurely that's what tammy was leading us to they wanted a king and so in result of having a king they will they were going to uh be taxed and they started being taxed though um uh well i guess they were taxed under david but more heavily taxed under solomon so taxes were already told by God in Deuteronomy 18. And when they were under theocracy, they had no tax. God flipped the bill. They had no tax. But because they wanted a king, they had to deal with the consequences of having a king. 
and taxes was in the play in play. Go ahead, uh, Ricky. Um, economically, uh, how did they fund their uh, their country, their land? Like, if there weren't any taxes beforehand, um, and I know they had probably trades that they, you know, worked with each other to receive different funds. But overall, how did the economics work in terms of like pre-monarchy and then during the monarchy? Uh, pre, it was their land. So they came in and wiped up the land. So they didn't have to pay any taxes for the land at all. So they built, God provided everything for them to build up their land. So that was pre, pre-monarchy. But when monar- uh, monarchy came, um, eventually because of the, the wanting of the king, then all the taxes and everything became, uh, came into play because the demands from the king became extravagant. And so someone had to pay for it. God ain't flipping this bill no more. <laughs> so someone had to pay for it. So the, the, uh, the people did. They had to pay for it. Is it a thing where they were like looking for stuff beyond their means? Like was everybody, was the land divided up evenly? And then when they decided that they wanted a king, the king was like, oh, we have to build this temple and fill it with gold and diamonds and rubies. And that became above and beyond what it was that they actually needed. Yeah. Yep. Solomon went overboard. He went overboard. Remember, God didn't ask for a temple. He didn't ask for it. He said, I've been in this cart. I've been carried around throughout the years. I didn't ask for this David. He, yeah, he spoke to David first. He said, I didn't ask for this David. And, and I'm not going to allow you to build it because, you're, because your hands are uh, filled with blood. But I'm going to allow Solomon to build it. But Solomon went way overboard. <laughs> way overboard. Yep. <laughs> Anybody? I mean, but, but was this, um, I'm thinking about, it was Matthew who was the tax collector. Uh-huh. Did all of this happen before the disciples? Yeah, all of this happened way before. Okay. So the, okay. the system of taxation began during the monarchy period. And it kind of just went on. Like other nations outside of Israel had a taxation system. But God was trying to make Israel different and stand out and to let the world know that if you serve this God, you don't have to deal with taxations. But since they wanted a king so bad, God allowed it. (laughs) And they had to deal with the consequences. So, yeah, this is kind of the beginning of the taxation system. Okay. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? The beginning of the taxation for the for the uh, Hebrews, right? <laughs> because the, the world systems were already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for beginning of for, for taxation for for them, yeah. So the world already had their own taxation system, and we already see kind of how that was. Um, we get inferences on how we can see how Nebuchadnezzar began to tax the people so hard. So more than likely, the 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 the, the other nations were being taxed as hard or even harder or whatnot. So yeah, the taxation system already existed 
but now we got the taxation system that's coming with with Israel. So, yep. Thank you. Um, anybody so, else? One more. Th- so they were just required to do the tithe basically to um, so that the priests could operate how they needed to operate. Mm-mm. It was more than a tithe. They got taxes now. No, I meant before, prior to tax the king, they were just required to do the tithe, correct? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a tithe, yeah, to take care, take care of the kingdom, and I mean um, the the tabernacle, and right. to, of course to help the the Levites because the Levites didn't have land, the Levites didn't have right. an inheritance, and so that went towards the Levites. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all they had to do. Okay, so are we talking about two different things now? I guess I'm getting a little. And Trish, and Trish, I think you need to come back. We're in the Old Testament. You, I think, and I think you, you're, you're in the New Testament in your mind, and and I think that's kind of why you keep getting confused. No, like, no, because you no, keep I'm referencing that. No, I'm going back to the origination. That's why I'm trying to understand the original part of the taxing part. So I'm not going to the. The New Testament, I'm talking about the Old Testament, how it okay. originally originated. Okay, yeah. Right. So we were talking about um, the king and the taxation of the people. That's where taxes for Israel started. Mm-hmm. And so we see that trickling down, like, like we said, down to the to the New Testament, dealing with Matthew and all that stuff. By that time, it done, it done blew up. Now, it's, it's a whole huge system of taxation and things of that sort. So yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where taxation started during the monarchy period. I hope that answered. Is that what you're looking for or? Yeah, that's what I was saying. But um, then when um, uh, Tammy was saying tithe, yeah. when it kind of confused me a little bit because mm-hmm. then yes, it does sound a little bit more like the new Testament. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. about the old Testament. Yeah, tithe is totally different. Okay. That went towards the tabernacle. Right. Yeah, but yeah. it started in the Old Testament, the tithe. Yeah. Say that again. I said, but they, they had to tithe. It started in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah. in this in the New Testament. Right. right. But I'm talking about taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. so that's two different things, right? Right. right yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. All right. All right, cool beans. I'm glad we got that sorted out. So that these are some very good questions that you guys are are asking here. I want to touch uh, Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, real quick. Um, I'll just give you this outline of First and Second Chronicles. They, um, of course, they're happening. First and Second Chronicles is happening uh, the same time of First uh, and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. So what um, Chronicles is doing. Um, is basically giving you another uh, recap of what already went on in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. When you look in your book under First First Chronicles, um, let me make sure I go to the right page in your book. There's a chart um, on page one thirty four that shows you the relationships with Chronicles, and so um, with Chronicles, it picks up. Um, it talked. It, it first um, gives you the the lineage of starting from Adam. Uh, they give you the lineage of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Benjamin, different tribes, and um, so it starts from that point, and then it picks up from the rulership of Saul. So it picks up monarchy, 
and then it, it goes further. So that's why you see in the book that Chronicles does not cover the whole of, of Samuel because chapters one through 10 is still theocracy. And so it picks up in chapter 11, starting with Saul being, being in rulership there. And so when we look at the chart down here, uh, Samuel and Kings, they viewed both the Northern and Southern. Their emphasis was on the throne. Uh, they dealt with civil, civil uh, and political history. The emphasis was on the prophet. Uh, wars were very prominent and an indictment of the two nations. But when you look at Chronicles, it viewed only the Southern kingdom. So it's only giving you an account of the Southern kingdom. The emphasis was on the temple. So uh, whereas uh, Saul and Kings gives you the political um, aspect, you're going to get the more priestly aspect or the religious aspect of Israel. Um, you're going to look at the sacred history, um, the emphasis on the priest, um, the wars, um, talking about the wars is less prominent, and then the encouragement of the remnant. And so you're going to, when you read First and Second Chronicles, you're going to reread basically the stories again that you read in First and Second, First and uh, Samuel and Kings, but you're going to read it from a different perspective. Okay, so that's why when you read it, it kind of like I just read this in Kings. Like, why am I reading this again? It's because it's, it's telling it from a different perspective. And this book here, when we look at um, Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, they believe that Ezra wrote this. Whereas uh, they believe that Samuel wrote the, the book of Samuel and the author of Kings, they believe is maybe Jer Jeremiah or Ezra, more pointing towards Jeremiah. Uh, but with, with Chronicles is given an account uh, from Ezra's um, perspective, okay? And so um, the purpose is the pur this purpose are complementary uh, to 1st, 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings. They were intended to strengthen the remnant of the nation who had made it through the period of Babylonian captivity, they needed to be reminded that the Lord was still with them and that they still had a glorious future because God was faithful to his covenant. The nation's apostasy had brought it down, but the nation will rise again. And so um, this, what we were uh, talking about at the beginning of class, kind of um, the viewpoint of this author kind of, it was kind of, it's kind of, kind of different than what I've been. I thought I saw a hand go up, I think. Or did I not? Um, kind of um, what what we were talking about before. So with um, with this book here, um, it just gives you kind of a different perspective of what was going on, and then at the same time, it encourage it encourages those who are in uh, Babylonian captivity, who were in Babylonian captivity. Does someone have a question or a comment? Yes, ma'am. That was me. Um, just real quick, how would you specify? those two different perspectives? Um, oh, you're talking about the, the perspective of Chronicles versus the perspective of First Samuel and Kings? Yes. Okay, yeah, uh, I, will, I will definitely rely on the chart um, that we just went over on one, what was it, 132, uh, one, 134. So that's, that's, when you look at the comparison, the, those are the difference you're going to, you're going to get because Ezra he's not talking about the northern kingdom he's not talking about the ungodly line of kings um, he's not talking about the political aspect 
Um, he's looking at more of the religious aspect. He's looking at it, um, the priestly aspect, um, more of an encouraging word for the remnant that, that does come back um, at, of Babylon. So when you look at, I think we're going to get into it next week, when you look at those who left, um, who are in, under captivity, it was millions of people, uh, probably about three, three to four million people that went in captivity um, of Israel, probably a little bit, yeah, probably millions, and only a handful of people came back. They said maybe a half a million came back, and so we're going to kind of talk about that as well. So Ezra's right is giving basically giving an account to those who came back on what what happened, and um, Ezra found it to be important to write these things down because Ezra he was a scribe. And so he was very educated and he did a lot of, of, of writing during that time. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the perspective that you should look at. Like the Chronicles give us more of a priestly, more of the, the good side kind of of what was going on. Whereas first and second Kings, they kind of I mean, Samuel and Kings kind of gives us the political, gives us the kingdom perspective. Because when you think about it, when you're reading Samuel and Kings, you don't hear anything about the priests. You don't hear nothing about really what was going on in the temple and things of that sort kind of in the temple here to now they were doing paganism but you don't hear what happened to the priestly line so chronicles kind of gives you that that account okay i was kind of looking at the the people that wrote the those books and then that looking at that perspective and that uh samuel and that he was like you said of power versus mm -hmm. Ezra, he was, I mean, he was a scribe, which had its own power, but it wasn't like any, like a political power. So that, that was the views that I was looking at. Okay. See what I'm saying? As like someone right there in the midst of it, where Ezra was kind of on the outside look and telling his story, looking in. Yeah. And so what we're going to go over next week is how Ezra led a group of Israelites to come back to Jerusalem. He led the second wave. Zerubbabel led the first wave. Uh, Ezra led the second wave. And then Nehemiah led the third wave. And so Ezra, he had a he had a, um, a huge uh, responsibility. And um, in that Ezra, he kind of. Um, uh, kind of led the restoration period of them getting back on track to the word of God. Because what you read when you read Ezra, Ezra stood in the middle of Jerusalem um, and began to read the scriptures to the people and the people began to wet. And so that's where the kind of the beginning of them getting back into um, studying the word and, and, and reading the word and things of that sort. It started with Ezra. So Ezra had a really good, really important part to play. So yeah, we'll get into that next week though. Yeah. Yep. Um, any other comments or questions? Okay, I'm gonna end it right here because I'm way over my time. I'm always over my time. Um, I think I need more than an hour to teach this stuff, but uh, I digress. But um, I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and pray out. Um, if there aren't any more questions, and then next week we'll we'll, we'll read um, Ezra, Esther, and Nehemiah. 
and that will kind of end our um, looking at the formation um, the formation books. So we're writing here. This is where we're at. So we're going to be writing here, and then we're going to hit the poetry books up here, and then we're going to have fun and go down here to the, the books of uh, prophecy. So, all right. If there are any questions? I'll go ahead and pray. And you know what? I did not take attendance. So you guys, I know I've seen people go in and out. So I'm trying to get a visual of, of who's here. I think I got kind of a visual. I've seen people go in and out. So I think I, I think I'll be all right as far as attendance, but um, let me go ahead and pray out. Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that you are God alone. We thank you, oh God, that you allowed us to come together and study this word. Uh, I thank you, oh God, um, for just allowing us to put the pieces together of your plan, God, and how you dealt with the people of God. So now we have even more record or even more history of what pleases you and what does not please you, Father. And so God, help us God, to continue to um, be sensitive, God, to what pleases you and what does not please you, Father. Um, and so God, um, but we're thankful, God, that we are uh, living in grace, Father. But even then with old, the Old Testament, you showed them so much grace and so much patience as well, Father. So God, allow us, God, to continue to follow your word and follow your precepts, Father. Allow us, God, to keep you first in everything we do. Allow us, God, to continue to, to read and study and to meditate your word and be able to put pieces together of the scriptures so it won't seem so chaotic and, and so big to the point where we think we can't handle it. But bring it down to a point, God, where we can handle it, God, and allow it to um, influence, God, our, our, our choices and our life decisions, Father. So, God, I lift you up and I bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys have a good day, and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Wonderful class, everyone. Be blessed. Thank you. Good, good class. Thank you, you guys. Have a good one. See you later.